Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. Hello there, friends and neighbors. This is Dave Slusher. This is the Evil Genius Chronicles, evilgeniuschronicles.org, for Friday, December 31st, 2004. Oh my god, we're eight hours from getting the hell out of 2004. I know that the uh, calendar is a fairly arbitrary construct, and there's no reason to think things will magically change, you know, in nine hours. But man, am I glad to put 2004 behind us. It's been a real mixed bag of a couple wonderful things and a whole load of shitty things, and I'm glad to just have it go away. Before I do anything else, and before I even do the routine business, let me wish a get-well wish to Tony Khan of WGBH, of Morning Stories, of the world, and various things around public radio and around Boston he had emergency surgery, at least I think. I, I saw a reference to it in this thing Dan Gilmore wrote, and I haven't seen anything primary. But the wishes go out to Tony Khan. He's one of my new friends uh, because of the podcasting world. And uh, Tony has been helping me shape the thoughts on civility and discourse. And in that particular arena and in that discussion, he's kind of my partner in crime. And uh, I want Tony to be all right. I... Uh, Want to have more of this conversation with him, and uh, uh, our hearts go out with him. And if I prayed, my prayers would go out to him. Let's just say my good wishes go out to him. My non-denominational good wishes go out to Tony Khan. Please, Tony, get better as soon as possible. We all love you, and we have good work we need you to do, and uh, we're pulling for you. As always, our theme music is provided via the generous permission of the Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. This here podcast is sponsored by iPotterX, iPotterX.com. It's the premier podcatching client for the Macintosh. If you're using a Macintosh and you listen to podcasts, you need this thing. And you can register it at iPotterX.com. If you're hearing this before January 8th, 2005, use the coupon code HELP. H-E-L-P, when you register it, and 100% of your purchase price will go towards tsunami relief via the Red Cross. If you're hearing this after the 8th, it could be possible. If so, use the coupon code EVILGENIUS, and it'll save you a few bucks and let people know you came from here. But please, January 8th and earlier, uh, please use HELP as the coupon code, and that will get your money donated to the Red Cross for tsunami relief. Thank you, iPotterX, iPotterX.com. Have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm doing two uh, podcasts in two days, which, uh, you know, I did earlier in this month, I did three in three days, which was unusual for me lately. But then I was in the home office in Chicago and had my evenings to myself. Uh, I haven't, part of the reason I haven't been doing these very often in the last week, even after the holidays, is the fact that. My wife is on break, and she's always around the house. And I tried to do these when she's not around so I don't get the skunk eye. And so she had to run some errands, and I said, what the hell? I'm going to record one of these. I still have a bunch of material left from yesterday that I didn't use. Let's get to it. 
Um, so I mentioned Tony Khan. Get well, Tony. Uh, this just breaks my heart, and I, I want him to be be fine. Uh, I just met the guy, so <laughs> I need everything to be fine with Tony. This is important. I got email on Christmas from this guy. His name is Artemy Artemyev, and he's in Moscow, Russia. And it's one of these weird things where, in my efforts at WREK, I ended up trading emails with him. Oh, I don't know, four years ago, something like that, three or four years ago. He runs. A, he he's a composer. His father is a composer of a lot of the film music in the Russian film industry. He's a composer. He does kind of experimental ambient music. He does orchestral music in Russia, and he is the head of the Electroshock Records record label out of Russia. And through my radio station stuff, uh, I emailed to him. I here's how I met him. I set up a system for WREK that would go through their database, and when they program new albums from record companies for which they had an email address on file in the database, it'd send them an email. And so it would do stuff like keep track of when it had last sent and only send new stuff. So one of the big problems they were having there is nobody ever told the record labels that they were using their stuff. And eventually they, they might just get tired and, of sending the labels and never hearing that they used them or not know they used them and just cut them off, and, which was happening. So that feedback back to the record labels was important. And so I set up this email system, and when I did the very first test, and this was probably October 2001, I guess, um, I started this test, and it was, you know, I was doing it in the afternoon. After, after it got you know, debugged and, and I had some confidence in it, I set it up on a cron job and it run in the middle of the night once a month. But before that time, I was watch, babysitting the first one. And I started the thing running, and maybe five minutes after I started running this, uh, I guess it was not in the middle of the day. It was in the morning, but I was sitting there watching it. So it was maybe 6 a.m. Eastern time in uh, Atlanta. And like five minutes into this, I get an email from Artemy Artemyev, who, uh, even though it's way early morning in America, he's you know, late afternoon in Moscow, and he's sitting there, and he got the email and sent it back. And like, very cool. From this humble beginning, he and I have been corresponding for years now. And it's not like a frequent correspondence, but, you know, every few months we'll send each other an email. And uh, he sent me uh, a holiday email, and I just sent him one today in reply. And it's one of these odd things where I have this cordial relationship with this guy out of, like, nowhere. And I love that. And this goes back to Tony Khan's civility thing. It just takes so little sometimes to form a connection to another person. And I feel like Artemy is kind of, you know, maybe not a friend, but like a strong acquaintance. And should he ever find himself in America and I have some way of getting to where he is, I'd love to meet the guy. Sit down and, you know, buy him a vodka and <laughs> have uh, knock back a few, man. Uh, I would love that. And so Artemy Artemyev, Electroshock Records, rocks. Um, let me play a little bit of audio feedback that has come in. This came in uh, from some of our comments yesterday. And this is J.T. Koffenberger responding to some of the stuff from yesterday's podcast. Dave, hey, J.T. here from uh, two soon-to-be-released podcasts. I'm working on one technology-based. Uh, the website will be ciopodcast.com in a second, uh, geared towards beer, frankly. And that one will be uh, is actually screwtops.com. The I, I wanted to comment on your uh, show dated uh, December 30th, 2004, briefly, 
the the big point being I've been doing video and audio editing pretty much he- fairly heavily for the past uh, year or so, and I've been shooting in a local theater, putting on musical performances. And you know, the funny thing is, you talk about cutting audio together and the difficulty there. Well, try cutting video together with multiple different shows and actors being in slightly different positions on stage and that kind of stuff. But you know what? Ultimately, it can still work and you can cut it together. So you're dead on accurate that you're going to be able to edit audio and do pretty much anything you want, particularly if you take a multi-layered approach to your production. So like I've got music running underneath what I'm saying right now. I happen to be doing it straight rather than giving me the ability to edit and then put the music on underneath. I'm guessing you do uh, your voice first and then add your music underscoring underneath later, which is a perfectly valid way to do it. So just to let you know, uh, I'm out here. Um, I enjoyed your, your broadcast. It's kind of the first or podcast, actually. It's one of the first time I've really had a sit- chance to sit down and listen to what you got going on over there. I'm kind of new to this whole arena, so to speak, but uh, like what you had to say, kind of like your, your format of your show. So I will be listening. And uh, this is in an email, so you've got my contact information. And uh, look forward to hearing from you. Audio is perfectly acceptable at that email address. So totally cool. Talk with you soon. And keep up the good work. Keep po- keep keep podcasting, man. All right. Thank you, JT. JT Koffenberger sent that in. And so, as you heard, he's got a couple podcasts he's going to start. Welcome to the club, brother. And he is correct in that I add my music later so that I can cut out. When you, when you do your music bed real time, you can't chop out pieces because the music skips. And I add the music at the very last step. And I agree with what he's saying. He's talking about putting together audio from multiple, I guess, multiple nights of a play. And it's, it's really amazing what people can forgive. I've heard several of these, you know, being kind of a, a movie neep guy, I love to listen to director commentary tracks and things like that. And it's amazing what people will accept. Um, I saw John Favreau interviewing Martin Scorsese on a special dinner for five where it was just the two of them in front of a crowd. And they were talking about the scene in Casino. And there's that scene where Sharon Stone is breaking down and Robert De Niro is talking to him. And it's sideways. So they're laying down and the camera's there. And in the middle of this scene, it's very emotional and, and Sharon Stone is in tears. And in the middle of this, the cameraman bumps the camera. And so the camera visibly jogs a little bit, you know, kind of like documentary style. And, but they said the take was so good that they couldn't, you know, they weren't going to use another take. So the, the decision was just leave it in. And they left it in with the camera jog at all. And I'll be honest, I've never noticed that. I never noticed that the camera, like, went up 20% of the screen. You know, I mean, it was big. It was a very big hit on the camera. I never noticed it because you're so taken with what's happening on the screen and you're so immersed in the characters that it's just not going to matter to you. And so that's kind of at the heart of what I was saying is that, uh, you know, ultimately... If what's happening is compelling, flaws like that are just going to, they're going to disappear into the woodwork. If people are noticing the flaws, then you got a problem because maybe <laughs> what's going on is not compelling enough. And believe me, my friends, uh, my ass is always clenched over that issue. <laughs> is this compelling enough to make people uh, not notice how screwed up everything is? Yee! Kind of things that keep me up at night. Um, oh, Wired Magazine. I was in Wired Mag... Not Wired Magazine. Let me correct that. I was in Wired News, the online version at Wired.com, which I think is... 
I always get confused. I think it's a whole separate business unit, even though they have the same name and similar logos. They're, they're not a, a parent organization of each other. They've got some sort of Byzantine relationship. If somebody understands that, by God, set me straight. But there was another article on podcasting. I was mentioned by it. Uh, Daniel Turdeman, the same guy who uh, did the first article a few months ago. I was in there. He has me quoted as uh, a big fan of the Rock and Roll Geek and of Mike Gohagen's Real Reviews. And I am loving the fact that uh, I'm on record with both of those guys as being a big fan because that's what he asked me is what kind of things, uh, you know, a couple months, three, four months in, you know, what things have I noticed about uh, making the podcast, what's gotten easier, what hasn't, uh, what have I noticed in the community, what am I listening to, what am I subscribed to, that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm just delighted at all that. And then on the text web blog earlier today, I, I noted Kevin Devin and the fact that uh, he was listed. There were four podcasts named by name as kind of essential ones that uh, people, uh, other podcasters are citing as ones that they listen to. And the four were IT Conversations, I guess as a whole, Adam Curry, myself, and Kevin Devin. And here's the beautiful thing. I have some reasonable affiliation with three of those four because I do a program on IT conversations. Obviously, one is me. And then Kevin Devin, I noted uh, that I kind of considered myself the midwife because I helped birth the show. He was iffy if he ever wanted to do this again, and I was really trying hard to encourage him because the guy did such a great – his like first tryout podcast was so good. I was like, dude, you got to keep going. Just find something that you can sink your teeth into. And uh, he sent me a nice email saying that, in fact, he would not have done another one if I hadn't kind of, you know, cajoled him into going forward. And the fact that he's doing so well with it just it warms my heart. I feel kind of like I feel kind of like, you know, a parent towards him. You know, I feel like his mentor. Let me let me stress here that he's done a lot of good work over the last three months. And I, you know, sent him an email. So I've got, you know, 10 minutes work invested in this and he's got, I don't know, hundreds of hours. So I don't want to overstate my accomplishment here, which is more or less just kind of giving him the start energy. You know, in chemistry, you get the activation energy that makes a reaction happen, you know, striking the match. And then he was the fire. But uh, for that brief moment, that fragile moment when you're first igniting things, uh, I, I helped in some small way, and I am delighted. And all praise to Kevin Devin and In the Trenches. Um, and so I also mentioned Go Hagen. Let me actually back up a little. One of the things people cite as a problem with podcasts in general is the linearity of it. And they, they and it's always in the notion of skimming. They're like, oh, I can skim a blog, blah, blah, blah. One thousand times I've said that, you know... Uh, expressed my views on that and why I think that's not that big a deal. One of the places where linearity really is an issue is on creating these. And I do this all the time, and this is part of the rambly style that people always notice about me. I want to seg things well, and I want things to flow. The problem is that I can only, I've only going in one dimension, right, in time. So I say something, say something else, say something else. If you draw out the relationship of the things I'm talking about, a lot of them intersect in multiple ways. And so it gets really difficult to order things one time and one, one way only when there's this kind of three-dimensional relationship amongst these things. 
And that's what drives me crazy. And that's why I skip back and forth because it is very tough to represent in one dimension like the list of stuff I want to talk about. And so in some ways, like a hypertext way of jumping back and forth actually makes some sense, but this medium doesn't have it and shouldn't have it. And But when you hear me jump around, that's my mind trying to represent in a stream of talk you know, this complex relationship because there's so many different ways I could order this, all of which would be good, and the search for the optimal, like, drives you crazy. You become like John Nash in Beautiful Mind, right? You just, you can't do anything. It's, it's, it's why perfectionism, I think, is so, is, is uh, such a big impediment to things happening sometimes. And we see this in podcasting, we see this in writing, we see this in a lot of things where, the fact that people can't get things per- perfect prevents them from doing anything. And Stephen Barnes, the science fiction writer, has a quote that uh, perfectionism is procrastination disguised as quality control. And I am on board with that. And so you got to not be a perfectionist because some things that would be a goal and are good to strive for can't necessarily be reached. So if you don't get there... Don't uh, don't bail on it. You gotta you gotta hang tough. You gotta hang with it. Let me also. I'm gonna play some a song here, and here's one of those 3D things that it can't represent well. I mentioned W R E K earlier. I'm gonna play a song by the Bambi Molesters, and it's a crazy ass name for this band, the Bambi Molesters. And what these guys are, is a surf guitar band from Croatia of all places. So right there, you know. We got some high concept going, right? Surf guitar from Croatia. I was looking at their website, and I'm going to play a song available on their website. So that's that's where this is coming from, right? I don't have explicit permission, but they're giving this away on their website already. And as I was looking through their bio to, to check a few facts before I talked about them, they had uh, a piece about where they get airplay in the United States. And they included WREK the station I mentioned before that I did some work with. I'm the one who put the Bambi Molesters in rotation at WREK, a kind of back channel. I set up an automation system for WREK that would allow them to kind of run unattended. And so they have a big database of music and digitized music, and this prepares playlists out of that database. And while I was doing that, I stuck some MP3s I had lying around that I had downloaded and found, and I stuck them in that rotation and this is one of the songs a Bambi Molester song not the one I'm going to play but a different one and from that uh, the Bambi Molesters uh, somewhere along the line found out they were getting played on there I guess because they they show up in the online playlist and uh, have that on their website so I didn't even realize until 20 minutes ago that I have this connection to the Bambi Molesters you know that I they are citing on their website something that ultimately was something I did which it's kind of cool, you know. It's you. You sometimes don't actually understand the repercussions. Now these are all good repercussions. These are these are cool things. And these very tiny efforts ripple outward, and it's amazing that these dudes who are Croatian musicians that I like are, have this, you know, tenuous connection to me. So all that said, that's a long way to say here from the album Sonic Bullets, thirteen from the hip. This is the theme from Slaying Beauty by the Bambi Molesters.
the Bambi Molesters with the theme from Slaying Beauty from their album Sonic Bullets, 13 from the hip. You gotta love Croatian surf guitar. Now, one thing I do to fight this being driven crazy by the delay in the headphones, which a lot of us kind of suffer with as we podcast, I uh, only put one of the two earbuds in my ear because that makes it a little easier. Instead of having this head-rattling stereo delay, you just have it in one ear, and while it's still there, it, it's easier to deal with. And I usually, for some reason, I don't know that I have a reason, it's always the right ear that I do, not the left. And as I was listening to that, I still had the left ear dangling, and I thought, as I'm listening to the song, I thought, this is a lot tamer uh, than I remember when I previewed it earlier today. I thought, I thought it was kind of a wild rock and surf guitar, and I realized... All the lead guitars in the left ear, and I'm just getting the rhythm and the bass, and uh, and then it kind of I could hear this distant weedily guitar, and I thought, what is that? And I realized if I put the other earbud in, then I'm going to get the full uh, Bambi molester effect. So if you are in some kind of odd situation where you ain't listening to the left ear, you uh, you missed all the good stuff of that song. <laughs> I'm afraid, but anyway, Bambi molesters, love them, love them, love them. I want to talk, I, I had an episode a few months ago called The Burden of the Cue, and I was talking about the issue people have when you start subscribing to podcasts and they build up, and I have that issue in spades, to the point where uh, on both my desktop and my laptop machines, I keep running out of space, and I have to do that same thing that TiVo users are familiar with. You have to decide, what do you dump unlistened, because you don't have any more storage space? And I also have mentioned how I use Radio Lover capture uh, mp3 streams of radio shows and i capture world cafe elvis mitchell's the treatment uh writer's almanac every day from garrison keeler prairie home companion sound and spirit from wgbh in boston to get them back in there but a number of shows and krvs uh, several of the cajun zydeco shows on that station but I have this thing where I keep running out of room on my hard drive, and so I, it's an ongoing thing, and I have to keep listening or else dump unlistened or else not catch the new stuff. And Radio Lover does, I love the program by and large, I paid for it, I use it you know, for a year now, but it does one really horrible thing that annoys the living shit out of me, and that's um, the fact that when you, you put a safety switch on there and you say when it gets under 100 meg, or you, it's configurable, but I say when it gets under 100 meg, stop. And you, you do this so that you just don't like fill up your startup disk. Well, what happens is when you're under that, it doesn't just check and stop. It creates these directories that it would be putting the MP3 in. And it creates the directory, and then it sees that there's not enough... Uh, room left on it and it stops and then it waits five seconds and then it wakes up and tries again and creates another directory and then sees there's no room and so on so what happens is when you fill up your disk as i did while i was gone for the holidays and as i frequently do uh it creates these ginormous uh directories of if you get a two-hour radio show you're taping it's going to create 12 directories every minute for the two hours. So you got 2,400 directories. Well, I had like 12,000 directories <laughs> scattered amongst several places. And so I had to delete all these crappy frickin' directories just to free up a little space. You know, as I was cleaning things up, I'm deleting all these empty directories. Well, I made a mistake while I was doing that. 
And so I deleted the empty directories, but I also deleted all of my Prairie Home Companions and Writer's Almanac from the end of September to now. So I deleted, what, three and a half months of these shows? I mean, so I, I did it, and then I emptied the trash, and it, I was expecting to have, like, 200 meg free, and I had 1.3 gig free, and I thought, you know, has the disc just... Was there some disc problem that, you know space was being occupied and when I emptied the trash it freed it up and like some problem that you know it was like check disking and then I realized oh my god I deleted <laughs> months of stuff I wanted to listen to and on the one hand that really bums me out because I'm sure there's good stuff I'm gonna miss and on the other hand I just feel free it's like ah, oh, I've been released from the burden of having to listen to three months of the Writer's Almanac and Prairie Home Companion. They're gone. And you know what? I'm not going to miss them. I'm not going to freak out that, oh, I don't get to listen to October 17th's episode. You know, it's, I won't really miss it when it's gone. I've got, I've still got 170 things to listen in just of captured radio shows. And so I am in no danger of running out of stuff. And I've got, you know, if I did nothing, I spent 24 hours a day listening to my captured radio and my podcast. I probably couldn't ever catch up at this point. I think more is coming in than I can even listen to. So it's just not that big a deal. And so I am by nature sort of anal retentive with possessions and with data. You know, I tend to keep, I probably have eight years of email, almost all of which I'm never, ever going to look at again. But I just like to have it because it's there. And in that bizarre, catastrophic circumstance where you need something, it sucks to have hung on to it for eight years and then throw it away right when you need it, right? So that's how you perpetuate that. And then that becomes nine years and ten years, eleven years. And uh, I just took a big load of stuff to the Salvation Army today to get the donation in on this tax year. And there were things like my Anthrax concert shirts from 1986 that... On one hand, they're perfectly fine, but I don't fit in them anymore. I'm too fat to wear them. And on the one hand, I thought, oh, this this memento of an event that I went to, and you know, there's a part of my, uh, you know, my past, and it's gone. On the other hand, if I put that in a box as I did for a year and never looked at it, I never thought about it once. I didn't miss it. As they say on TLC's Clean Sweep, keep the memory, lose the thing. And that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Keeping the memory, losing the thing. Uh, got one little bit of audio I'm going to try to play here. Let's see if this works. This is not, unlike most things, this is an, a real stream. So I'm going to try to play this. Hopefully it didn't, I haven't paused it too long so that it times out. This is from a BBC4 radio doojig here. Uh, it's about the history of Dungeons and Dragons. And... It's kind of interesting. I, I never was much of a D&D player. I played, any dork of my age played at some point. And I played a few times. I just never got that into it. Partly because I think I never had like a really good uh, game master, dungeon master. And, you know, people would always say, you'd love it. And i say, well, I tried it, but it wasn't that much fun. they say, yeah, but you need a good game master. And i say, well, you know, everything's good if you have the best person <laughs> doing it, right? It's always great to do anything if you can get, you know, Michael Jordan to do it. But here in the real world, you've got the dolts that you know, and you can't do any better than that. 
So I've always thought that was kind of a condemnation of things. If an average person can't make it wonderful, then maybe it's not that great a game. But that's all beside the point, and I'm not trying to piss off the uh, the, the uh, enormous <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons demographic, which may or may not overlap very uh, highly with my listeners. Uh, sorry, dudes. Just, just never was my bag. But there's an interesting quote by this guy in the middle, which is in a lot of ways applicable to podcasting. And plus, he's got this great Scottish accent. And listening to anyone say anything in a Scottish accent, it just makes it sound like funny and interesting and kind of gives it a weight of authority that, you know, dumbasses like me can't can't bear. Now, maybe if you're from Scotland, you could give less of a shit about what this guy is saying. But <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Okay, here we go. Please play, real one. For me, it's the sheer time-devouring pointlessness of it. I mean, these are not stupid people. These are people who should have been out curing cancer. They should have been out working out how to do a new jet propulsion system that would get us to Australia and back in the blink of an eyelid. Instead, they're pouring all their massive brain power into whether they can use the golden rat one to get past the towers of Weetabix. The Mary White House experience. <laughs> so I don't know who that dude was, but I love that. So he's talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but you can kind of, I, you, you can see that being applicable to podcasting or lots of things. A while back, Patrick Nielsen Hayden, uh, who, you know, I know from science fiction circles and uh, knew back in the genie days and, and helped me out when I was doing a reality break at times. He posted something on his Electrolyte weblog where he was talking about too much free time or something like that. And I always hate that because too much free time or get a life or anything like that is always used derogatorily. Um, and it's always bullshit because uh, anything you ever apply that to, like, wow, you look at any kind of magnificently pointless thing that people do, like... You know, those giant Lego sculptures or any of those things. You'll notice that the, the people who do those sorts of things are not people who do nothing else than that. That you get this kind of uh, Pareto, you know, the 80-20 rule, where 80% of the stuff like that is done by 20% of the people who go nuts and are just wildly productive. And so, you know, you don't have one guy with lots of free time who, who suddenly comes up and does something. Just like podcasters in general are not podcasting because we've got lots of free time and we need to fill it. In general, everyone that I know that's doing this is a busy bastard and has lots of things going on and has to kind of budget in and around that to get this done. And uh, so I can kind of see the point that, uh, you know, much like this guy is saying, that the time that people are putting into this could do something else. But in this particular case, I actually think that the time we're doing, uh, it, it's paying off in other ways. And I think that creating this kind of new medium with new, uh, let's, let's say reducing the friction. Because we're not really creating anything new. We're just, we're giving people new ways uh, to get it out there, right? So more connections can be formed in more different ways. And you get kind of a network effect. It's, it's kind of governed by the factorial. Right? There's so many different ways that people can combine and be informed by each other now that it's kind of like instead of your phone calls being one-to-one, they're now you know, one-to-many or even kind of many-to-many -many as we, we 
complexify this this network. And so I think that's great. Somebody, maybe it was John Perry Barlow, earlier in the year was noting that Burning Man could be a Republican plot to capture some of the left-leaning people's time and interest, particularly in this election year. And he, he was somebody, and I really think it was him, but it could have been somebody else, pointing out that if you looked at the energy and the kind of mojo that the Burning, the burning Man goers uh, were dumping into that this summer, that energy could have really done something to affect change on the left. Now, I don't know if that premise uh, is flawed or not, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. He said, if, if you were trying to come up with a Republican plot to tie up <laughs> the energy of people that might be uh, wanting to put it on the other side, you know, on the, on the side of the left and the progressives, um, Burning Man would be perfect. He's like, these people could be out demonstrating and, you know, working for Move On and ringing doorbells. Instead, they're doing their art car and desert-proofing their computers and all this bullshit. And, you know, working on their uh, body paint. <laughs> or what? I don't know. But it's an interesting notion. You always have to kind of think. If So there's value by the podcasting world. And you got to think, it, when you sum it all up across everybody... Is this a net loss? Is it a net gain? Have we created a giant time waster both to create and to listen to these things that's going to sap energy? I think, in fact, it's going to do the opposite and kind of create. In the same way, um, let's say, uh, building the highway system in the U.S. You know, it's kind of there as a project to keep uh, demobilized soldiers busy and keep the economy moving. Then had enormous gains in productivity when suddenly things can move around the country so easily. I think we'll see uh, similar things coming from podcasting where they're, they're hard to predict at this point because it's so early, but new media and new kind of economies of information and entertainment I think are going to rise up around this. And I think it's going to be uh, fantastic and fascinating and I'm glad to be here at the beginning and I don't know how long I'm going to be in this, and I don't know what the future holds, but Jesus, I want to have a ringside seat for all of it. <laughs> uh, you know, Doc Searles talks about blowing up radio, and uh, I think radio will always be there, but I want podcasting to blow up, not in the sense of you know demolition, but in the sense of uh, enormous popularity, and I think it'll happen. There was some talk, you know, a couple months ago that podcasting was a fad. By the end of the year, nobody would ever hear of it again. And uh, as we've seen, that ain't the way it's playing out, homeboys. So, <laughs> uh, I wish I could have taken... I had that... Remember when I had that bet? If you've been a long-time listener of this, I was trying to bet people. I had two bets. One is that it, you come up with any measure of fad, and w by any measure we can agree on, one year from then, and this is probably September when I was doing this, uh, next September it will be better on that scale than this September. And the other one was about the name podcasting. And I said, no other name will take over from podcasting. And you come up with a name. I will even stop talking about podcasting and start using your name. And no name. I will legitimately, in good faith, try to push your name and it won't overtake it. Because that's, that's just the one with the resonance energy. No one took either bet. Now, 
you know, there's a certain Bill O'Reilly-ness to that. You know, you can't just float something out there and claim victory when nobody takes it. But I did note that nobody took either of those bets. And I believe, what, what dollar amount did I have? A hundred bucks? Two hundred bucks? I'd go a thousand bucks on this. <laughs> you know, because I'm pretty confident I ain't paying off on either one of those. But anyway, that's enough of that. I want to thank you for listening. If you, like JT Koffenberger, have something to say, you can send me audio feedback to dslusher at gmail.com. I want to thank everybody who's been registering iPodRx with the help code where the proceeds go to Tsunami Relief. I want to thank everybody for listening to Voices in Your Head. And if you want to check out the show notes, they'll be at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Keep the faith. Fight the power. Happy New Year. Let's have a better 2005 than we had 2004. Bye.